All right, welcome in. What is going on? We are here for a special segment of Benzinga's Cannabis Insider with the one, with the only Argentinian action figure, head of Benzinga Cannabis content and news desk himself, Javier Jase. My friend, what's up? Doing great. How are you, Mr. Elliot Lane? I'm running out of breath giving you an intro. I, I got to <laughs> shorten that up a little bit. <laughs> but this is an exciting really show. You were, you, I thought I went, when you said it's, it's a special show, I thought you, you, you meant because of our guests, not because of me. <laughs> You're special, too. I, our guest is incredibly special, and I'm not going to lie. Okay. Probably a little Let, cooler than both of us. Guess. No one cares about us. Let's yeah, well, the credits. I'm pumped. Let's do it. I, I'm very excited. But Aaron Thomas, get us started. Javi, a very eventful week. I will say, you know, we're not going to cover a ton of news today, y'all, but we are interviewing the one and only U.S. Representative Dave Joyce today, a Republican from Ohio who has been serving his country for a decade now, or more than a decade, uh, as a U.S. Representative. Thrilled to have him on the show. A lot of topical uh, news for us to chat about. But first and foremost, we've had a full week of earnings. Uh, so I do recommend everybody check out Benzinga.com slash Cannabis. Javi and his amazing team of writers cover 30 articles a day, if not more. Uh, but we've had some major companies announced. We had Terrasend, Jason Wild & Co. announced uh, late yesterday. We've had some analyst notes from Stiefel, Roth, and the like that we covered on uh, the site today. We had Village Farms. We've had Truly. We've had Verano. We've had Jushi. Uh, the list goes on. So make sure you check out either Cannabis Daily Podcast and or all of the Cannabis News. But Javi, are you ready for an awesome conversation, man? I am. Did you say Republican and Cannabis? Let's hear all about it. I feel like we're about to get debunked. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for this. But with that being said, uh, the, the man, the legend himself, Representative Dave Joyce, let's bring him on over 18. Representative Joyce, thank you so, so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me on. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. Where are you calling in from today? Are you in D.C. or are you back home in Ohio? I just got home this morning. We got out late last oh. night and I caught the first flight home this morning. So here in the kitchen of, uh... <laughs> of the Joyce resident. Is it a relief? Like, yeah. do you do you like take a breath every time you get to go back to your home state a, a little bit? Is, is it just the pressure kind of releases? Yeah, you know, it's a, as I said, back to the land of common sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, without further ado, I'd like us to jump in a little bit. I, I think I was correct. You've been serving Ohio since 2012? Correct. Uh, when, when did the cannabis start for you? I, I mean, how long have you been advocating for cannabis on a legislative side? Well, you know, it's interesting. For 25 years before this, I was a prosecuting attorney, an elected official uh, prosecutor. And so uh, I'd say my career really started more in that end of it, too, because I was one of the first people that, you know, let me back up even more. I was the public defender before I got appointed the prosecutor because oh. the prosecutor, I like to judge. And so uh, the cops didn't trust me anyhow. So then when I started to say, with, uh, look, you know, we're not going to take these uh, busts that they would get. You know, they go, they needed 
they were on grants and grants needed stats. So they'd go behind the bar. They'd watch four people come out, get in the car, give it about two minutes and then go get them. And it was a fourfer, right? <laughs> they'd get the, they'd get the weed, they'd get the people and they'd have four numbers. as mm-hmm. a great thing. And so mm-hmm. I said, we're not taking any more of those. And so the cops are like, well, what do you mean? I said, just dump it and ask them where they got it from and then dump it and then, you know, let them go. And then once we get started to get the same name consistently, then we'll start to focus on the person who's actually hmm. doing this. And usually that led to other drugs and not just cannabis. But uh, so after a while, they started to see that it, it, this works. And all of a sudden they started playing in much bigger ponds by going after people who are importing kilos of Coke and things like that and, and LSD. And, and so uh, it, when I first got to Congress, I already came in with this sense that, you know, we were wasting uh, law enforcement time and resources on, on cannabis. And so though, when the first times it came up for me, I'm in a hearing, I'm on appropriations and the subcommittee, uh, was a Democrat from California who was making a passionate case about how wrong it is for VA hospitals in California, which was medically illegal at the time, not to be able to prescribe it to veterans. And I thought he made a damn good case. So I voted mm-hmm. with him, the lone Republican. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> and I was quickly summoned down to speaker uh, Boehner's office where he's like, what the hell are you doing? And I went through the thing and I said, well, John, here's the blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, besides, I think it's a state's rights issue. He goes, yeah, that's fine. Don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Look how times have changed. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Boehner is also on board with this. Right. And so, uh, how does that process work? Do you influence each other or is it more of a, of a social Thing, right? Is it is it something that changes with the times and society, or or do you feel that that even within you know the confines of DC, you're influencing each other and and and, and your opinions? Well, it, you know, the one thing that's in short supply in DC is people who listen. You know, everybody's an expert; hmm. they don't want to talk. Uh, but if you listen to other members and listen to where they're coming from, a lot of them have some pretty good ideas. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, on this one. Uh, and especially as a Republican speaking out, you can imagine that like Earl Blumenauer and some other folks were starting to say, hey, you know, if you have an interest in this, here's where we're at. And so I finally, it's around, I don't know, maybe two years later, I said, yeah, you know, I have an interest, but, you know, I want to be involved in it. Don't bring me a bill that, you know, it's all settled. Let, let's work together. And I could see it coming because you could see state by state doing it. And when Colorado went fully legal and you saw the tax revenue they got the first month, you know, what governor is going to walk away from a fount of cash like that, right? And, and the other thing is that, you know, it's good for us and that you know, law enforcement can focus on the targets that they need, get out of this. And now, since it's coming of age and where more states are going legal, or and certainly in Ohio here, it's medicinally legal, you know, 47 states now have in some way, shape, or form, it's time for the federal government to get real about it and, and get the hell out of the way of the system. And, and there's easy ways to do this. And I think, you know, you, you all follow this closely. So you've seen some of my other bills like safe and hope and uh, prepare that uh, I put together trying to put some uh, regulatory framework over the industry. Let me do one quick follow-up, right? Yesterday I was on a podcast um, being interviewed by advisor shares and, and we were discussing how, you know, the, the key arguments that move the needle for, for policymakers and, and, the consensus seems to be that what moves them needle the most, as you also mentioned, is is money, right? Do you see other arguments being made moving the needle in, in, in the direction of legalization, right? Like down here in Argentina, the thing that pushed uh, legalization the most were mothers advocating for their children, right? Like 
uh, maybe in America it's veterans. Well, like, what what do you feel are the strongest arguments, or or is it you know really uh, money that one the one that ultimately tilts the scale? Yeah, uh, that's a good point. There are other things out there. The money aspect was just a, a red flag for me because you could just see it, you know, for governors. Uh, and the other side of it is that you're in the course of putting it and making it uh, plus revenue, you're also taking the revenue you're expending and trying to uh, go after it off the table as well and eliminating the uh, uh, illegal market. You know, so you want to focus it. And, and then you give advent to things like fentanyl and the potential for cannabis being laced. Uh, then, you know, that, I think that drives folks too because they don't want to see, all right, since they're going to have it, let's make sure we're driving it to folks where they know what they're procuring at a dispensary is going to be what exactly what the similar to what they had in California or Colorado or Ohio. So I think there's a lot of things that are helping drive it. You had Brian Mast on before. He's a great veterans issue. I mean, who's going to take issue with him, Brian when he makes the case for it? You have law enforcement folks who make the case for it. And, and certainly uh, more and more people, I think, will get in line to, to pass something when they see it's actually moving. A lot of people aren't willing to, to put their name out there ahead of it uh, until they actually know it's going to keep moving, like safe. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I do want to dive into safe uh, momentarily. Sure. But before that, to Javi's point, just a quick follow up uh, at our at our Miami Cannabis Capital Conference in mid-April, we had representatives. Oh, wait a <laughs> oh, we, we love having you there um, in Chicago, September 27th and 28th. Uh, <laughs> just a plug, just a quick plug. Um, but we had representatives Troy Carter from Louisiana and Representative Dean Phillips from Minnesota. And Representative Phillips made a very interesting point about the industry to really move forward needs to create more of one unified voice. And I'm curious, you know, to your thoughts, your reaction to that uh, and what that means to you. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, The trouble is uh, my good friend Brady Cobb always says, we're the only industry that comes to see you guys that wants to be taxed and regulated. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a point. He's got a point. (laughs) And, you know, the funny part about it is that uh, you have so many people coming from so many different, you know, whether it's they, they have the um, the retail end of it or, you know, they, you get the people who uh, in Ohio say they won the lottery by getting themselves a, a, a dispensary location. And so, therefore, you know, their interests are maybe different than somebody who's coming into it who's a multi-state uh, operation. And so it, it's conflicting for folks. And I think that, we, you know, that organizes one voice to say, these are the things we want to get. And, and I, what I try to do is be fair with folks by saying, you know, uh, this is moving at a, in a town that moves at a glacial pace. This is really moving quickly. And so we need to continue to work together and just put realistic guidelines and goalposts up here so everybody knows what's going on. And obviously, being a new market and, and a hobby, uh, you know, since you watch the markets, I guess, you, you know that uh, something can move the market. We don't want to be in the process of trying to move the market uh, and not be realistic about it, not tell people where, you know, this is what's going to happen. And I feel very confident about safe this time around where, in, you know, I felt good. I'd been around the game long enough to know that we were running out of runway at the end of last session and that the Senate wasn't going to be able to land bring that plane in. So 
uh, you know, it, it's, but the good part is it's teed things up for this session. So I really think there was some positive things are going to move on it. I was honored to uh, see the uh, hearing yesterday over in uh, the Senate uh, with my Senator, uh, Sherrod Brown, who didn't really come to the game uh, enamored with it, but has since come around after he's got an opportunity to see what's going on in the state and talk to people who are actually in the industry and realize that, you know, how important it is for to get something like this accomplished. I, I mean, you really started the conversation for me, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I was going to ask, because, you know, I was speaking with a person who's worked on Capitol Hill, worked there for 10 years, uh, and, and this person was saying that in comparison with other industries that have needed federal reform, this is on pace, um, you know, timeline-wise. You know, I know cannabis somewhat needs something to happen soon. There's a lot of pressure uh, on small businesses, uh, as you all know, and I'm sure are well aware with people are in your ear about that, as they should be. Um, but, you know, I'm curious, you know, Representative Joyce, from your end, um, it, is this moving quickly for, for you? And is there a path forward um, on the same timeline for the House as we're expected for the Senate now, which is somewhere in September? Well, uh, the, the one thing about the House this time and I know it looked like a lot of confusion before Kevin took over, but that was actually sort of a healthy process because now we're all meet and talk and work things through. And the thing is you want to do is work it through what they call regular order. In other words, the committees of jurisdiction, such as financial services with Chairman McHenry, let them have the hearing like uh, Sherrod was doing over in the Senate yesterday with it. So industry people could come in and tell them what their problems are. You know, that you bring in folks who have been robbed. You have the people you know, governmental agencies. I remember uh, Secretary Mnuchin, who uh, I have some pretty good banter with, and he'd say, you know, we, it's our duty to fix the problem. I said, yeah, I agree. And he was telling us about that, you know, the IRS had to build cash rooms because, you know, people are coming to legit, legitimately pay their tax, but mm -hmm. since they don't have a bank, they got to bring cash. And guess what? <laughs> we, we, the government welcomes it with open arms, right? If you brought $10,000 to buy a new car, you'd immediately trigger a SARS, a suspicious activity report. But not when you come to the federal government to pay your taxes. <laughs> the government, you're more than welcome. Come on in. That's absurd. I mean, that's the kind of absurdity we want to get out of this program and start to get back. Letting banks, you know, uh, get involved in this. It's not Goldman Sachs that's itching to get in this business. It is the community banks. It's your credit unions. It's your local folks who understand a local business, the local business people working through it, and are going to tr continue to process that banking, you know, as banks normally do, stimulate the local economy with the funds that are there and know their customers and know their clients. That's what we're trying to get. It makes it a cleaner approach for everybody involved, and it allows them to write a check at the end of the day. Guess what? To their employees. To, the, to their providers, uh, to their, their the government for their taxes and allows credit card access and all those things that come with being a legitimate state-run concern. You know, you're talking a lot about taxes and, and as we <laughs> regularize the situation with, with, with taxing cannabis companies, uh, what, what do you envision America doing with, with, with this money, right? That, that is, has been one of the, the top discussions, right? Like, there's a lot of money that could go to taxes to fund X, Y, and Z. What, what, what do you envision it helping with? Well, you know, one of the things that uh, 
I saw, let's, we're not fooling each other. Uh, the, the war on drugs was based on the backs of low income and, and African and, and you know, people of color. So that's where I came up with the idea in, in trying to think this thing through with my tremendous team of Amanda and Anna. Uh, we're, we're saying, okay, how can we help folks? And that's where we came up with the idea with uh, my friend Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, where she, the idea of doing the, this, the uh, HOPE Act, allow this revenue to get put back into the stream to provide impetus for states to grant expungements. Because you talk to folks who are in the industry, they said, we'd like to hire them, but the state law doesn't let us. <laughs> the regulations they're working under doesn't let them. They can't get bank loans. They can't be part of the industry. They can't get public housing or mortgages or other things because of these prior convictions. Let's let's find a way to wipe that out. Let's find to incentivize the state's attorneys to, to, to actually get involved and create an expungement process, process that's fair. Because you and I both know if you it costs you 2500 bucks to go to your attorney to get an expungement, guess what? You ain't paying the 2500 bucks, so you'll still keep continuing the conviction. If you make it process where it's free, person can go down to their local court for courts, fill out the form, put it in, and either it's in six months, either they grant it or it's deemed granted uh, because they don't want to go through the record check to, to find this thing, or they don't have the records. I mean, if it occurred in the 80s or 90s, it's not in a system somewhere. Uh, but the person can go on with life and so not have to feel that they have to register or put down every time they fill out a, a bank application that they have a prior conviction. So it's important things that you use it to take care of folks. You also use it for help for you know, veterans who do need access, who can't afford it, or other areas. I mean, this is a, while it can be a source of revenue for the government and folks see it that way, I also think that we have to put it back into the communities in which it's come from, or that the taxes have been levied, if you will, upon them for over the ages. Amen. You mentioned the HOPE Act. Uh, I'd like to to ask your opinion. Uh, we've heard Senator Schumer say multiple times over the past week uh, that he intends to add expungement and, and perhaps some other initiatives to the bill after it exits the safe bank or the, the safe banking, the uh, Senate Banking Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, do you expect HOPE to be uh, that which he adds? Do you have any insights into what else could be a part of that bill? Well, Senator Schumer has a, a, been a wonderful uh, partner in this process. I wouldn't tell him how to run the Senate. I don't know where it's going to go, but I figure he's going to be similar to the uh, House where all of these are going to have to run through regular order, through their committees of jurisdiction, and then get to the floor and uh, allow people to weigh in on it if we're going to put this together in a way that's going to uh, be secure moving forward. Because the one thing you don't want, guys, as you can appreciate, is in what we see play out, uh, Dems are in charge. You know, they were, oh, we're going to do more. You're, you're not going to do it. You know, they, they came out with this great thing. You know, we passed it. It's a monumental day. But if it doesn't get through the House and it doesn't get through the Senate and the president doesn't sign it, it doesn't mean a damn thing. So mm-hmm. let's work in concert to finally get to where we need to go. And that's what I think this longer term strategy, like I said earlier, putting realistic goals and goalposts out there uh, is more important for all of you in the industry so you can plan effectively. Absolutely. And then thinking about what has historically perhaps worked against cannabis uh, when it comes to other lobbying, outside lobbying groups, right? Um, It's not totally clear, you know, to the cannabis industry, nor, I mean, would we, you know, nor is there like a TV show saying this person is lobbying against this person, right? We, We don't necessarily know. The assumption for the longest time was pharma. 
and then I guess over maybe the past six to 12 months, we've started to understand uh, how much the alcohol industry really could be playing a part in uh, the path forward for the cannabis space. And, and I'm curious, you know, to what you can say, I, uh, this is, this is my first time talking about lobbying with a U.S. representative. So perhaps yeah, it's, educate it's me a little disclosure. bit on that. It's all public disclosure, whatever so, it comes Corporations spend on lobbying is is public record. So uh, yeah, well, I'm curious is 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 there any movement uh, with lobbying currently uh, against what's happening with cannabis in the U.S. Congress? You know, it, it, it's interesting. I wouldn't say there's people lobbying against it. I'd say there's interest groups. You know, like uh, similar to your mothers against drunk drivers, you have folks here who, you know, there's a lot of mothers, uh, especially older people who don't want it to happen because they always heard about this being a gateway drug, right? And so if we do this, then, you know, that's going to lead down a, a spiraling staircase to hell. And so it, the attitude has changed as the age has changed, <laughs> but uh, there's still the attitude. And most people, and especially staff folks, are not going to want their member to walk into something uh, that could possibly be detrimental to them at home. And so that's why it takes talking to them and inviting them. And the industry has been fantastic about this is say, you know, take when your member's home, invite them to an operation, to a grow operation, to a dispensary, to processing, let them see firsthand, let them see how it's clinically done. This isn't, you know, three dudes in the woods. This is a re really a detailed operation. And the idea that they now know from seed uh, to sale exactly what that's being grown, the amounts that are being grown, the costs that are involved. And so it, when you know that in like Ohio, where the numbers are set on what they can, how much can be sold and, and how much it's going to cost, uh, you, you, when the money arrives at the bank, you'll have a better idea of the details of, you know, of legitimate operations. And that helps argue against the cartel aspect. Oh, this is just going to let cartels into it. And that's, mm -hmm. we know that's not true, but then as, you know, the National Sheriff's Association or you know, the prosecuting attorneys, and that was my mistake the first time through. I, I, I didn't reach out and encompass them. And so I'm sitting in a hearing and I see everybody else at the table with something from the Sheriff's Association that they're reading from. Uh, and I don't have one in my setting. <laughs> I, I just realized I got uh, outworked at my own bill. <laughs> the next time around, I made a point of it, you know, Anna and Amanda and I brought in the Prosecutors Association. What do you want to see in it? What don't you like about it? the Sheriff's Association? And, you know, tell us what your, your the part of it is. And, and what I've got, and now, like, my local cops are, who work a lot of times at these operations in their off hours uh, because they need, you know, people for law enforcement, for security reasons, uh, have them talk to their state agency that's saying that this is a bad thing don't let it happen so tell them how does it work in your neighborhood tell these guys how it they, they don't draw more criminals they don't you know sell to school age kids as they're you know or hanging by the school bus drop to, to sell it that these are legitimate you need, that's the kind of mentality that we need to clean up that that this is not you know just bringing the uh, drug dealing to your neighborhood this is uh, legitimate going concerns this is a little bit off topic, but since we are discussing lobbying, I, I, I feel like most people don't understand how lobbying works, what it is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because you tell people, okay, so companies are spending money, right, to mm -hmm. lobby for certain things, right? And in the rest of the world, you say that and people go like, oh, they're paying bribes. And it's like, it, it is nothing like that. This is an institutionalized way 
to push certain policy forward or hold it back, right? But like, how does it work? Where does that money go when they when when someone discloses they spent two million dollars lobbying for or against something, right? How how's that process? How does it look like? That's a great point. You know, uh, to give you an idea that uh, you know, when people come to me, a good lobbyist will know his issue. Will they're going to be driving in you know a lane that I've got like appropriations, you know, and I'm on some, the chair of Homeland Security, they may have equipment that their company's trying to get into the system somehow, and they make a case for why they're more efficient, their techni technology's better, those type of things, and, and lay it out for you. Uh, and the ones, uh, I think people get a bad idea, and the way I look at it is, you come into me, and I t I'm straight up with folks. Look, if I can help you, yeah, it's a good product and it can be helpful and we can cut costs or be more efficient in what we're doing, those type of things. And we can be helpful. I'm glad to help you. And if I can't, I'll tell you this. So you can move on to somebody who might be more helpful or not, but you know, be straightforward with me and I'll be straightforward with you. Uh, but the idea that these people are like waiting outside and there's some type of secret bribe, we've eliminated all that type of stuff. And, you know, the, the biggest thing you can get now is, uh, you know, the donation that you might get or invited to a great event like Benzinga, where you know you get to meet all the inside folks and be able to ask questions directly from them and, and hear their stories of what's taking place. Those are important, but I really think that the best lobbying is done by you know, local folks with their uh, senator or their congressman when they're home in the district, because then you get to see it in application. Then you get to see that you know, hey, this guy's got 250 people here at work every day that are paying taxes to the city. The mayor comes out. The mayor's like, oh, they've been a great business partner. They've been great here in the community. That, that again, that, those are the type of things I think that gets more folks involved in the system than paying people uh, in, in D.C. just to come in who have never been to your town, who have never seen your thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as your average American, I choose to believe House of Cards and how they uh, show <laughs> lobbying. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Massive joke, JK, LOL. Um, all that said, Representative Joyce, I do believe we have to wrap up. Your time is so appreciated today, and I hope we can have you on again as SAFE progresses, as HOPE progresses, as PREPARE uh, progresses through these different bodies. We definitely want to keep up with you, and we appreciate what seems to be a positive sentiment from you. Uh, for for what's happening right now. So all that said, thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Should we be able to have you on? Thank you guys very much. And uh, since you brought it up, if you read Prepare, that's my way of lobbying my uh, the the president who might not really come to the party uh, uh, willingly, uh, but allow everybody to have participation in this. Lay it out there. If and when it does become legal, this is what it would look like, and let everybody be able to talk about it ahead of time. So there's no surprises for anyone. Wonderful. Thank Thanks you so much, me. Representative Joyce. Appreciate you so much. Be well. Thank you. Have a great day. That was epic. That was epic. Really appreciate him joining. Uh, we got a lot of wonderful insights there. I was educational for me. And honestly, if I don't learn something in all these interviews, it's a waste of time. So much appreciate him. Javi, any thoughts? No, that was, this was awesome. Honestly, I'm, I'm ready to rewatch it. <laughs> I know. I, I do want to go check out Prepare. Maybe we'll, we'll jump into that in our next episode, Prepare Act, uh, what's in there. And, you know, we touched on, I wanted to touch on um, the state of Ohio because I think they are looking to uh, go uh, potentially vote on record.
soon. I think they have enough signatures on the next ballot. So uh, hopefully we can have him back on to chat about wow. that. And hopefully we'll have our 24th recreational state uh, if they're the next one to go. But that would be exciting. I know, would right? Awesome. All right. So Javier, thank you so much. Representative Joyce, yeah. thank you so, so much. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Please share with your friends. There's positivity out there for this industry. It's not all doom and gloom. We promise you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that being said, we'll continue to bring you the news. BZCannabis.com to hit the next event. Uh, Representative Joyce, we definitely want you there speaking. Uh, we'll have a wonderful policy presence, uh, but that is the place to meet investors. That is the place to meet the largest plant-touching companies in the industry, largest tech firms, and the best and top services uh, around and up-and-coming brands. Uh, we grew 20% year-over-year from Miami 22 to Miami 23. It's my last Ooh. plug of the day, but Javier... Anything else you want to say before we hop off for the day? Finger.com slash cannabis for your daily dose of cannabis news. That is it for us today. We'll see you again on Tuesday. Tuesday it is. Thanks all. Peace. Peace.